Hello and welcome to Retrotainment episode six. This week I am joined by another member of the Dynamo podcast network, uh, Peter Hart, who does all of our graphics and uh, the host of the Superior Comic Show. Welcome, how are you doing? All good, thanks for having me on, delighted to be here. Yeah, of course, mate. There's no one else to get on for uh, this episode, I suppose, really. Um, for those who didn't, who can't guess what we're doing, it's going to be the original X-Men from back in the 2000s. Uh, this, for me, is kind of the film that started the whole superhero f- films uh, genre for people. Um, I know Marvel then took it to a new level and really opened it up, but I think this is where it all kind of started, isn't it? Yeah, go um, far as kind of the X-Men series as well as the Blade series, which many people didn't really see as comic book books. It was in the same wheelhouse of publisher, but the X-Men would definitely kick off the superpowers and big team movies that would eventually become the Goliaths that Marvel is now. Yeah, definitely. Like Blade is one that like I always forget because Blade is earlier than X-Men, but I, I do forget that it is a, a comic in itself. I always just think of it as its own standalone i don't know why i just i never think of it as a comic yeah no it's, it's one of them it was it, it was a very different comics for marvel you know marvel didn't usually have the, the comics based around 100 percent vampires and blade was a lot darker than the other stuff so a lot of people can be forgiven for not realizing blade is actually a comic book movie yeah um it's also it's it's kind of in the vein of deadpool in a sense blade was in that it's the the grittier side of comics like x-men and all the other ones to an extent are family friendly you know good guys versus bad guys the good guys don't kill anyone the bad guys do that's the sort of trope but blade is a very um very different sort of superhero he's he's blurring the edges he's the he's a good guy but he's not really a good guy the same way deadpool is a good guy but not really either yeah it's a lot of shades of gray with those two uh heroes putting them in the same vein as the punisher as well where yeah you know he's a hero but not really yeah he doesn't really follow the the hero's uh guidebook i suppose is the the best way to put it but um i i remember when this film came out i was buzzing for it because I, i'm a huge x-men fan um and had been since the the original animated series um that's what got me into them uh, yeah. rather than comics that's where i got my love of kind of superheroes and stuff was tv shows rather than comics and then progressed into reading comics but they weren't as readily available as no, yeah. the television show would have been to me at that age yeah no 100 it was the same with myself you know i only i started collecting comics in the year 2006 and um it was all spider-man uh, i used to love watching the x-men animated series and it was all for spider-man and then this movie came out and it was the reason why i branched then into x-men comics as well yeah um I I hadn't watched this in uh, I don't know a good couple of years now because obviously films are getting churned out quite a lot and there's a lot of superhero film coming superhero films coming out recently so I've watched all of them and you know then Marvel as we said stepped the game up huge and really branched it out so it's easy to sit down and rewatch one of them and kind of forget about these old ones uh, some of them can do with be being forgotten about. Uh, yeah. The less said about the Fantastic Four, the better. But um, this one, I, I hadn't seen in a while. And I was like, that's why I said to you that I wanted to go back and watch this one. Because I do I do remember it with fond memories. I, I do remember enjoying it. But I was like, I wonder 
can this hold up anymore? Like, is this going to be anywhere near? Not just the, not the, obviously it's not going to be near the the cinemagraphic level of Marvel because they they wouldn't have had that sort of money and the technology would have been different than it is now. But could the story and the the acting, I suppose, hold up? Because obviously, this is where Hugh Jackman gets his his break as Wolverine, which went on to be one of the biggest outside of Marvel's universe. I know X Men are Marvel, but they're not MCU, I suppose. No, I call them the Fox Men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, he went on to be a huge star, and I think without him, I don't think the likes of Iron Man and the MCU would have been as successful. So I do think this was a real starting point because Hugh Jackman did become such a huge success off this. I don't think he was that well-known an actor prior to taking on the role of Wolverine. Um, The big names in this would have obviously been Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen and uh, Halle Berry at the time would have been huge I think in the 2000s wasn't she yeah I think it was either this was either just before or just after she done James Bond die another day yeah it's, it's in and around that and that was kind of her peak time of being um one of the most sought after and famous actresses at the time no yeah, yeah that, that's why I wanted to go back and look at this and obviously I said if I'm going to get somebody it better be the, the comic book expert on to <laughs> have a look back with me uh, I hope I hope everyone enjoys. I have my my views. I'm very fifty fifty when I went back and watched it. Uh, I wanted to still love it, but and I did love parts of it. But yeah, um, one I'll elaborate. Yeah, well, I always just take a look back at the kind of date it was released. So this was obviously released in the summer, uh, July of two thousand. So you know, it's a good time to release a film like this. It's it's summertime. Everyone's looking for something to do anyway. Um. And then I always take a look at the ratings, which, as I always say, are not what I base a film off because sometimes rate things are rated terribly and I love them. And yeah. sometimes things are rated really high. And I'm like, yeah, it was it was fine. But um, this seems to have been a fairly standard rating across the board. 82% by over 100 critics on Rotten Tomato and then 83% by the audience. So that's that's I think that is relatively fair when you look back at it. Um, and then IMBD, which you said 7.4 out of 10, which isn't, it's not, it's not a million miles off 80% either, I suppose, really. Um, and then I just take a look at the budget or sorry, the box office. So this pulled in uh, $296.3 million in its box office. So not a flop in any sense. No, it's a huge amount. And a lot of people hearing that nowadays, because they're so used to the MCU's numbers, would think that's a very small amount. But exactly, yeah. The MCU are bringing in like a billion every movie now, but back then that was huge. Yeah, it was. Like that's that's one of the highest grossing. Now, I don't know, like when I look up those box office, box office figures, I don't know if they're true. Like I just take them off Google or whatever. Like that may or may not be 100% true. And I don't know if they pad them out with some of their sales elsewhere or what they're doing, but either way this film was a success back in the day yeah um it starts off if, uh, like i I've, i kind of forgot that this started off where they started off with the line of you know every like humans evolved yeah from this i kind of forgot that they went with that in this film um, and it is a good little start because that that is the the whole point of the x-men and then that every couple of generations we jump forward massively um and then we get brought to see 
um, what is presumably Auschwitz um, and the Jews being herded into parts of the concentration camps and being split away. And we see a young kid who is obviously Magneto, which we learn quite quickly when he tears the um, the bars apart from everyone around him. Um, I, I think that's a good little start because that is the story for Magne- for Magneto. Like that is the standard story of how he both discovered his powers and it shows how powerful he was because even as a child, it took four or five fully grown adults to remove him and then him to be basically knocked out. They, they, had, they, they basically needed the pistol with them to stop him from <laughs> destroying the place. Yeah. And it was all done off a uh, pure raw emotion, which is what drew it out because obviously he didn't know he could do it at the time. Um, and then we jump into, so we see one young mutants, uh, mut- like mutation and ability coming to the, coming to the forearm and we see it that it's in a panicked and desperate situation but then the next scene we see rogue just up in her room and she just kisses a boy and puts him into a coma uh, and a fit and a coma and in this sense it's not panic or stress that's brought this on it's just a heightened it's it's again a heightened emotion yeah. but not it's it's not necessarily a bad emo- like it's not a bad emotion that's brought this on it's and she's obviously terrified at the time which i suppose like you would be like you're sitting there and this person has a fit and you, you put the blame on yourself and then they end up in a coma for three years um but on the back of that she runs away from home and we get introduced to uh to wolverine fighting in the cage um the one bit I love about this is that there's the fight scene and they get the, the big guy to come in and fight him and the announcer is just like, covers the microphone, he's like, don't hit him in the balls. Okay. And he's like, I thought you said anything goes. He's like, yeah, but he, he really doesn't like it. <laughs> it's It was a good introduction to Wolverine. Um, looking back now, see, when I first seen it, I wasn't big in the comic books. So as I said, I was just on Spider-Man. I just started reading Spider-Man comics. Hmm. And I know a lot of people had an issue with Hugh Jackman when he came in, mostly because of his height. That was the main issue with Hugh Jackman, was he yeah. was too tall to be Wolverine. Which is not a bad kind of... Yeah, like if that's the worst thing people can say, that you're too tall or too short for a role, then I suppose that's... You'll take that. Yeah, because he captured everything else. He captured how, even in that cage fight, how feral Wolverine is, how aggressive he is, and how much he really just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he's just... He's just like, he is an animal. And this is obviously prior to him meeting Xavier and having his mind unlocked and being able to gain his memories. So he's just somebody who knows nothing about his past life. All he knows is that one, he's a mutant and two, that he heals really well. So he'll fight. Yeah. And And so that's what he does to make money. Yeah. Listen, if I could heal really well, I'd do all this stupid shit to make money too. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously it helps that his skeleton is made of adamantium which i don't think he doesn't know he just knows that the claws come out yeah i don't like he has no idea that his body is made entirely from adamantium um but we see like when the first guy gets in and attacks him from behind um that when they kind of punch each other's fists which you know that that's never really gonna happen but you hear the big clang and then the headbutt and you hear the clang there as well 
So you're given the like you're given that information early on that this guy is completely made of metal and you yeah. haven't seen the claws or anything yet. You don't see them until kind of a couple of minutes later when he's in the bar and your man comes in with the, a knife to stab him. Yeah. And that's when we see that this is it's confirmed like not that it really needs to be for people who have seen who had watched comics like the tv show and stuff or read the comics it didn't need to be confirmed but it is confirmed that it's wolverine and that we're getting the big claws and he has your man pinned up against the wall and you see the level of control he has because he brings the the outside two out completely and the middle one out to a certain point yeah um i don't know is that something in the comics that he is actually able to do is he able to control them to that level or is that just a cinema thing he does in um, most comics. It's kind of like he has control over him the same way he has control over his fingers. Like, you know, he can move his index and his ring finger while he can just kind of keep his middle finger closed. It's almost like that. He can control the retract- retractability of his claws. Okay, well, that, that, that is a very good um, little scene then. Yeah. And then obviously the we see the prejudice again of, uh, you know, anti-mutant. Um, mm-hmm. We see the, the bar owner pull out the shotgun and that gets sliced in half so as feral as and dangerous as wolverine is you can still see that he he tries to live by that code not to kill yeah innocent people or maybe not so innocent but you know yeah he doesn't, he won't he, kill, kill isn't kill isn't his first instinct yeah it's first instinct is kind of like any kind of other animal is just to protect himself and then kill is kind of a last resort yeah it's um the one thing I did notice when I watched this back is it's it's very strange to see Hugh Jackman in the role as Wolverine at the start, where he's um he's not the big jacked up Wolverine that we see that we've all become accustomed to and used to. He's just it's not that he's skinny or anything like that, but he's just he's not the he's not the level that we've gotten used to with him, I suppose. Yeah, he hasn't hit beef mode just yet. He's just kind of just a normal dude. Yeah, and I think. Like not that it shows that he didn't wasn't prepared for the role, but that he hadn't fully bought into that role just yet. And that once once things started going well and he saw how how well of a character this was and how much it was going to impact his career, he really went for it then. Yeah, and sure look at it, he's the only one from he's the only one from any of the X Men movies that's been in all of them. Like, yeah. Even, like he's been across all of them. He they one character they couldn't recast was Wolverine. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think they can. And I know they're planning to re, like, well, they haven't officially said it, but I think the plan is to reboot X Men. Yeah. And my worry is that if they don't get you Jackman for Wolverine, like, you can't not have Wolverine as an X Men. Yeah. And if you don't have Hugh Jackman, he's left huge shoes to fill on that role. See, I, I think don't... any other role you can nearly get away with. Xavier, maybe. But I think any other role you can nearly get away with. But Wolverine, I think, is just, it's a staunch definite. See, I see Marvel. Marvel like to take risks. I see when they introduce the X-Men. I don't see them introducing Wolverine straight away. I see them leaving that a few years. So the, so the likes of Logan isn't still fresh in our minds. Yeah. So they'll give it a few years. They'll introduce the other members of the team first before bringing Logan in maybe in the second or third movie. Yeah, but I just, I... I'm interested to see when they do bring them in who they use because whoever it's gonna have to be it's gonna have to be someone that really makes it their own because yeah. they're going to be compared to to Hugh Jackman in the role, unfortunately. Yeah, so same as everyone is compared. Same, anyone who plays Joker now is compared to Heath Ledger. It's just 
yeah, it's a tough role to take on now, yeah. Um, but yeah, we then get introduced to Sabretooth fairly quickly when uh, Wolverine's driving along and he has Rogue in the car. Um, the only bit I don't like about this is that we don't really, like, Sabretooth doesn't seem to know his history with Wolverine either. Yeah. Um, I can understand why they'd be like, Wolverine doesn't know it because his memory is still wiped, essentially. So they don't really play up on the fact that Sabretooth hates him because of their past. So the past isn't, like, that past isn't really part of these films. No. And I, I dislike that a bit, but I can understand why they're like, we don't have the time to to go back and to go go back and explain all this to you and we'll just, just go ahead with and just have Sabretooth get the best of them here. Yeah. Um and then we'll see our first two X Men in Storm and Cyclops come in. Yeah. Um Cyclops is a weird one for me because he's meant to be the the leader of the X Men and you know, in theory he should kinda of be a lot of people's favourites. But I don't think Cyclops is pretty much anyone's favourite really. I know from comic book Twitter and from doing uh, my own show and doing for years, Cyclops is one of the most hated X-Men out there. There's a lot of reasons to do with stuff he done in the comics continuity, but other than that, people just find him too white bread. Yeah, and I, I think that's the problem. He, he is very white bread, and he's put up against the likes of Wolverine, who's bordering on being... It could be a bad guy if things had gone a different way sort of thing. Um, but like Xavier is very white bread as well, but it, it comes across, I don't know, it works for Xavier. Yeah. It just doesn't work for Cyclops, I don't think. See, with Xavier, I think it helps him is, um, you know, we have Patrick Stewart playing him one. He's beloved yeah. as it is. You know, you have yeah. suave, calm, British accent. Yeah. And he has a bit more, so his powers are a lot on the mind. He can basically, with Cerebro then, which we'll get to in a bit, he can do so much with his powers, whereas Cyclops just does pew pew out of his eyes and, you know. Yeah, and he should be, like, I understand he should be more liked, but he's just never been one that I'm like, yeah, Cyclops, Cyclops is the best. Um, he's. It, I don't know anyone that feels that way. Like, normally you have a couple of people, like, and he's just never been that one. I don't know what it is about him, but he's just dislikable. Yeah, it's any if you ask anyone to do up their dream lineup of five X Men, I guarantee ninety percent of them will not have Cyclops. Cyclops in the lineup. Yeah, and like it, it's in it's all of them. It's not just, like in this film. I actually when I rewatched it, I was like, they at least gave him a bit of an edge because he's you know, given Wolverine shit in this film. But that's not the case in the comics, really, or definitely not in the early comics. It's not the case in the animated series and stuff. He doesn't give Wolverine that shit. And I'm kind of like, he's at least tried to, you know, give him something here. And yeah. even still, he doesn't come across as that great. He just comes across as a, a teacher's pet almost, you know what I mean? Just yeah, nothing really interesting or rememberable about him. Memorable about him, like it's just... Yeah. And he, he has a great backstory, which it, it doesn't get into in this, but in like, even in the animated series, you get into it that his dad has gone off to be a space pirate and stuff like that and like he has a great backstory it's just i don't know it just doesn't work for me it just he just, just never i don't know what it is he just never really appeals to the masses yeah and i suppose maybe that maybe that is for the best maybe the the leader is you know he's the leader of the x-men because he's such a goody two-shoes essentially like it makes sense why would like you can't have someone like wolverine be the leader of the x-men like you couldn't 
I suppose it kind of goes to show as well, even when you go to the future in Avengers, that's the reason why Captain America is the leader and not Tony Stark. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But it, it works for Captain America, I think. I think it, I think the good guy shtick works for Captain America. Um, but it, it just didn't didn't translate here for Cyclops. No, so I think with Captain America, the good guy shtick works because it's old. He's from the past and he has the old-fashioned view and it's part of his character, whereas yeah. it just doesn't resonate with Cyclops at all. Yeah, but we, we see Wolverine eventually recover and he's now in the, the mansion. Um, and he gets his first introduction to, to Jean Grey, which is to basically attempt to kill her. Um, which I suppose makes sense. He's just woken up and someone's trying to inject him with something. Yeah. Definitely not something he's going to be happy with. Um, and then he gets introduced to the rest of the X-Men by their um, both their real names and their their X-Men names. So Cyclops, Storm, Jean. Uh, Jean, who doesn't have an X-Men name. She's just Jean Grey all the time uh, <laughs> for some reason. But uh, I, there's a... important enough to get a name until she was possessed by the Phoenix Force. Yeah, but then there's the, I like the bit where Wolverine turns around to Xavier and he's like, and what do they call you? Wheels. <laughs> just straight up ableism from the start. Yeah, just, I don't, like, yeah, it's, you shouldn't make fun of the disabled, but like, you know, it's okay. Cause, and it do, it works with Wolverine's character because it is the sort of thing that you could imagine a guy like that saying who's just a bit feral. But he, his main concern was for Rogue to see that she was okay. So it's not that he doesn't care about people. When he cares about someone, he'll do anything to protect them. But just yeah. it takes a while. And that's the one part here. Like It normally takes a while for him to warm up to people, but he warmed up to Rogue quite quickly. Yeah. Like he's seen her as like a his little Wolverine pup that he just needed to protect. And he was cold to her for maybe... Five, 10 minutes of you like movie time and yeah time. and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah it's a strange one because it's it's a very quick transition from him being like i hate you to yeah. basically being like oh, actually no like i i really really do care about you yeah. um i also found it weird though like because obviously i watched the the animated series first and in that obviously wolverine is older than everyone but rogue isn't a child no, and it, she's a lot more powerful. I, one of the problems I always had with these movies was they never really dove into her powers and how powerful she actually is. Yeah, and I don't think any film has ever given Rogue the the kudos that she deserves because obviously, um, it's maybe a bit of a spoiler for something in the future, but like she gets these powers by basically absorbing them from Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, so she can fly. She has super strength. Um. And then obviously she still has her own ability and no one that's never really been looked into. So I hope that they do look into that because I think it makes her like in this, she's the sympathetic character that you feel bad for, but she's like, she's a badass in in the comics and she's a badass in everything else. Like, yeah. And like in this, she drains the life out of people in comics. It's she drains the life and the powers out and the memories. Yeah. Like she takes everything and takes it for herself. So I think they, I do hope that they dive more into the character in the future. Yeah, I do, and I hope she gets a, a little bit more love in the in the future than she did in here. But uh, she does well in this. Like I, I think she for the character they they ask her to play, she plays it very well in this. Um, and obviously she's the 
the central point of this but for the whole up until we find that out at near the end the whole thing you think is centered around uh wolverine and for some reason magneto wants wolverine and it's not like there's because you know what the, what the answer is having seen it you're like yeah okay it makes no sense that he wants him but when i first watched it i was like he probably wants him on his side because if he can convince wolverine to be you know against the humans he's got basically a killer on his hands like because as i said if you turned wolverine to the other side he's one of the most dangerous people you could have on your side oh, yeah 100 and basically if he had turned wolverine he has a killer here that only he could really kill because of his powers yeah exactly he and he has full control of him um but we see we see magneto essentially kidnap the the senator with the help of um mystique and toad toad doesn't toad doesn't do a whole lot in this film either he's he's another very weak character in this film mystique i think is done well though yeah she's given good fight scenes she uses her powers the way that she would use them um but he kidnaps the senator and turns him into a a mutant and his mutant ability seems to be sort of that he can just manipulate his bones and body so that he can fit through tight space they don't really go into it because it's not it's not really important that he can't like what his mutant powers are because he just goes on to die like yeah. turn into water i suppose he just kind of melts in a strange way yeah it was very weird and it was one of them questions that were never kind of answered through the movies like yeah and it was strange because obviously we see that magneto's plan is to to turn the everyone into a mutant but that's not really like that's not what magneto is ever really about he's never wanted everyone to be a mutant he wanted mutant dominance is what he wanted he didn't yeah he wanted mutants to take the place that the humans had and the humans to be the subservience yeah the yeah and you know like i suppose you, you don't want to go too far into that like because as you said it's it's a bit of a kids film but like yeah the whole idea that he had built this machine that somehow using magnetic force was able to alter people's dna and they never like i suppose they couldn't go too far into it because how do you explain that yeah it was one it's one of them that um a lot of movies in the past you would do you just needed to suspend your disbelief and just remember yeah. the fantasy movie yeah and for me like for me that is something i can do i can just suspend my disbelief completely like a lot of people will go into films and be like that wouldn't happen like if i need to analyze a film and i need to pick out something that's bad for it i can you know i can do that but most of the time i'm just like yeah that's that's fine like yeah that, that's why you did that that's that's fine move on um unless it's a completely stupid reason i will take it at face value and yeah let's roll with it yeah like okay so magneto's plan here is to turn everyone into mutants and he somehow worked out how to do it cool that's that's the premise we'll go with that then yeah i can i can accept that let's just roll on yeah but we see we get to find it's just after this when wolverine's memories start to come back when he's in bed and he's starting to remember the um experiments that have been done on him and I don't, for some reason rogue is just wandering around at night and goes yeah. in to check on him a bit weird a bit um <laughs> yeah it's a bit creepy but she goes in to check on him and we see basically again he wakes up in a panic and fight or flight so it's wolverine so fight the claws come out and he stabs through the chest and stomach i suppose of rogue here um and we we see just how big her powers really are yeah in the sense that 
she's on death's door so she takes his healing abilities to save and, herself yeah that was that was great that was i know i mentioned they didn't show her powers that was the one time they showed her, her powers and what really irritated me i think is they never really showed them to that extent again yeah i think and i can kind of understand why they wanted to go because they wanted to show that she didn't want to take other people's powers but they didn't really explain that either they just kind of she did it this one time and that was it yeah um and then obviously she gets forced into taking magnetos at a, at a later point so that she can use the um machine but i don't know it's it's a weird one like why is she wandering around it's just <laughs> what was she doing like what was she doing up to because it's not like wolverine's screaming the house and he's just kind like he's just kind of uncomfortable in his bed where he's like oh i don't like this yeah what the fuck was she doing <laughs> Unless she already she's already outside with her ear pressed against the door, she's not going to hear that from her room. Yeah, exactly. So it's just it's kind of um, it's kind of a weird one. But after this, um, we see Mystique infiltrate the mansion and convince her to to run away. Um, Mystique obviously turning into uh, Bobby, who's the Iceman. Yeah. And she then poisons the um, Cerebro, which we see. Um, well, she doesn't poison Cerebro straight away because she comes back later to do that for some reason. It's it's kind of strange. Like, she was already there, so why didn't she do it the first time around? But she convinces Rogue to to leave, which is obviously Magneto's plan because he, he wants to use Rogue. Yeah. And then Xavier, this is when we first see Cerebro, is Xavier's like, I need to, we need to find Rogue. So he steps in there and we see him flit through the minds of the entire world essentially to find her um and not not a great explanation for how powerful cerebro is but i suppose it's a good starting point to what he can do with it but basically he was him and cerebro is what the cia wants to be yeah yeah like you get basically inside the minds of any human being on earth yeah and i do think that the one thing they did do a good job of here is they won't explain that Magneto is able to beat Cerebro based on the fact that he helped build it so he knows exactly how it works and then two how dangerous it is because they're like Jean Grey doesn't use it because she doesn't have the level of control that Xavier does so I think that both heightens the danger of Cerebro itself and also heightens the esteem of um of Xavier that he's this powerful yeah it really does. It shows why you kind of like. Cause at first look, you kind of like, why aren't, why don't all the mutants use that? And yeah, they literally say no. This this thing is dangerous. Like this is for for Xavier, he can just about control it. He's like a tiger tamer in the zoo. You know, yeah. he can just about control it, but it's still dangerous. But no average Joe can come in and just pet the tiger on the head. It's yeah. It's it's a dangerous thing and it'll it'll fuck you up if you if you aren't ready for it. Yeah. But um, they find Rogue in the train station and then Wolverine steals uh, the bike and he goes down to get her first. Um, and he tells her, you know, just nobody wants you to leave. And if like if you want to leave, I'll go with you. But if not, like I think I do think that we should go back. And I think this is the best for you and for me. Um, and it just kind of shows the caring side of him. And his the fact that he is, even though he doesn't ever really want to admit it, that he is looking for a sort of family, yeah. somewhere to settle down, rather than just 
travel around, which is what he had been doing previously, living out of his um his truck. Yeah, he wants to find somewhere to belong. Basically, like a, like you said, a family, someone to take him in, people to accept him. And he, as much as he is a lone wolf, he doesn't like necessarily being on his own. Yeah, I think he, he's a lone wolf, not by choice a lot of the time. I think the lone wolf is something that he kind of finds put onto him because because of how dangerous he is. And obviously it's because his mind is a bit warped and things like that. Because of all of that, people tend to eventually push him away. And then, so he doesn't try to form those attachments, but you can see that here he, he has tried to form the attachment mainly to Rogue, but also to the X-Men because he has built a level of trust in them. Yeah. Um, and up until now, he's been kind of billed as, you know, nearly unstoppable because he can heal from anything. And that's when we get to see just how powerful Magneto is because he comes in, stops the train, and just with a flick of his wrist, bye-bye Wolverine, off into the back. And yeah. he, that's, that's the thing. He has full control of Wolverine. Wolverine cannot combat Magneto. No, 100%. One, like, one of the most powerful mutants on the X-Men is Wolverine. But yeah, his power is just perfect for the most powerful villain x villain mutants to control it's yeah and i think that is the thing that he is the most powerful like in terms of like if you're looking at the ranking orders xavier is it's xavier and magneto are kind of a cut above yeah most of them wolverine is probably just there yeah I as think well the comics they describe them as omega level mutants um, and there's a couple along the lines of omega level like gene gray when, when the phoenix yeah, yeah is omega level and then there's They've done the kind of tier system, but Xavier and Magneto are up there at the very tip top. Yeah, and then it's also, you know, they both have, they're both highly intelligent as well. So like the likes of Wolverine, what might stop him getting to the Omega level is that he's an action first, think later guy. Whereas these both think they're like, this is what we need to do. And if we do this, then this will happen. And that's how we'll, we'll gain an advantage. Whereas Wolverine's just, run in and go for it like no non-stop go 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 yeah well you see by his uh his dog tags in the movie and from his comics history he was a soldier so he has that soldier's mindset of i'm i'm just gonna shoot first and ask questions later and everything is done on reaction whereas as you said uh xavier and magneto they have a game plan they're like the, the sergeants they're the mm. tactics yeah they're calculating and they go for, like they have strategic moves in place for what they're going to do, which is um, which is what we see with here. Magneto's entire plan is to capture Rogue. So he's created this machine, but he's realized how like that it, it's essentially going to kill him to do what he wants to do. And he doesn't want to die. So he finds the next best thing. So he finds it. Now, how he found out about Rogue is questionable because that's never really explained. I think maybe like uh, my disbelief when I, when I suspend, I was like, okay, Sabretooth reported back to him and mentioned something, even though Sabretooth didn't know her powers. But Yeah, exactly. See, that, that's, the, that's probably my biggest problem with this is that they don't, they don't give any reason why Magneto would know what she can do. Yeah. She's just some girl that happens to be a mutant, but what can she do? That's, I think, the main problem here. Unless he sends like a Mystique into the mansion every couple of weeks just to see what all these new mutants can do. Possibly that could be like I suppose maybe, but see he he kind of had the pa- plan in place beforehand anyway because the whole point like as we hear from the start that Sabretooth was meant to bring someone back with him, 
which yeah. was where uh, we originally believe is meant to be Wolverine, but obviously it's meant to be Rogue. Rogue. So unless she's on that mutant registration, mm. which they don't mention, no, it's it's a bit of a stranger. And that's probably where my biggest issue with this film is that why does he know anything about Rogue? He has no way of knowing her powers and knowing who she is. But yes, he does. Yeah, it's a, it is a very large plot hole. Like even, like I said, with my disbelief, you can't fill it in with any of the stuff. There's always another question of, yeah, but how? Yeah, and that's probably my biggest issue with this film is that is just how did he know about her? If they'd given me anything, do you know, like, um, as you say, if they if they hadn't had him hunt her so early mm. and then had Mystique report back in some way, yeah. or if they'd even if they'd just said, do you know, after she gets, after she leaves her house, if they'd even just said that she left because she'd been put on the mutant registration, even that's enough. Yeah. Like or just one little like, line. Even just if you had Magneto pick up a paper or hear on the radio about this guy who's in a coma after a kiss from his, his girlfriend, then he'd kind of like, at least then he'd be like, okay, I need to look into that. That sounds like a mutation. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's just something that he's clearly out to use this one person to complete his master plan. Um, but has no reason to know that she's able to do it. Yeah. But, it, you know, as you say, you, you kind of have to just move past that or the whole film goes to shit. So yeah. you just kind of accept it. Um, After they find Rogue is when Mystique goes back to the mansion again, or maybe she was still there. I don't really know. And it, she poisons Cerebro. Yeah, it's just, it's shown even from the first movie, their timelines are very confusing. Yeah, because she's still... She's still Bobby, so it's still the same day because Rogue has left and they've gone to find her. But then we see the actual Bobby walk by with some other students and go, I was meant to meet her for lunch. And then she comes out from behind a stairway or whatever as yeah. Bobby. And then she goes down and poisons Cerebro. And you're like, but if he was, she left at lunch and he noticed that she was gone after lunch. But during that time, somehow they've had time to report to xavier that she's gone and go and find her i mean yeah it's a bit it's a bit much and that's like you know that was one of the things they did they obviously just didn't really think about they were just like god oh, it'll it'll work itself out don't worry look fox x-men and the word timelines just do not mix whatsoever. No. Um, and that was probably like that's another little problem with it but you know she poisons cerebro and that puts Charles out of commission yeah. which I think I think is important here because Charles is obviously one of the few people like as we said he's the he's the general he's the mm. he's the one with the plans and putting him out of commission means that now it's solely on the likes of Wolverine Jean Cyclops yeah. and Storm to to work this problem out and I think that probably was better because if not like obviously Magneto can control Wolverine but as we see, Xavier can control both yeah. um, Toad and um, Sabretooth at the same time. So if they're all up there and the only one Magneto can control is Wolverine and he can't control them to the level that Charles can control the others because Charles can make them do things, whereas he can just he can make Wolverine kind of attack himself and move Wolverine around, but yeah. he, can't, like, he doesn't have control of Wolverine's mind. It's, like a, it's almost like Wolverine with the Magneto is an action figure whereas yeah. everyone else to Charles Xavier is a video game character yeah he has full 
control yeah. like i'll tell them what to do i'll tell them where to go and stand i'll tell them everything and they'll just do it whereas wolverine will be moved from one place to another yeah that's about it so i do i do think it was important to take charles out here um so they take him out and then obviously um gene uses cerebro to locate where um where rogue's been taken but we see how much it weakens her as well and how desperate scott is for her to not use it so they they do still stick with this idea that it is still dangerous to use but that gene gray was willing to take that risk um to to save somebody and we see the level of her power and that she was she was able to do it it's just it's a very short time she's able to do it for yeah it's very draining on on her more so than the experience charles yeah so they obviously they find out where she is. She's at the, the Statue of Liberty, um, and they they fly there. And this is when we see kind of the fights start to um, break out. Um, Mystique obviously is camouflaged here, and we see Wolverine knowing she's there. But you know, he doesn't know Mystique at this point, so he's just like, there is somebody here. It's uh, that it was a w- kind of a way where I liken that to how in in the earlier the new MCU Spider-Man movies how they're kind of slowly introducing the spider sense they didn't just throw it in there that yeah. that was a way of throwing in Wolverine's great sense of smell without actually meant, needing to mention it he knew something was off with his, with his instinct and he has that really strong sense of smell yeah but he do, he doesn't know her which is like he's never met her so he doesn't know oh that it is mystique because he obviously remembers yeah. oh this is this person this is this person and then obviously um, he goes off to investigate and then he comes back and he, he's telling them how dangerous it is, but it's not him. It's Mystique, um, which I, I thought they did very well because when you first watch it, you're just like, oh, he, there he is. He's back now to just yeah. tell them something's dodgy and to keep an eye out. Um, and then the fight breaks out. The only thing is that Mystique has the claws, which yeah. I don't I don't think she'd be able to do. Because I, don't, I don't believe that that's part of her power as far as I can remember that she can take their powers too I think that yeah and see like the claws aren't particularly part of his power yeah they're his bones basically they're bone structure coming out of his body so she they they kind of overpowered Rogue a little bit here yeah they... um, but obviously the claws aren't adamantium because when they're fighting Wolverine just snaps them in half yeah so they've slightly overpowered her in the sense that she gets their mutant abilities to an extent as well but not completely like it's just a mimic yeah so it's it's a weird thing kind of when you think about it because she mimics their appearance which means they she pick up their bone structure in their face and stuff i can suspend my disbelief there but yeah. you know they're part of his bone structure okay fair enough but how does she know how to, uh, to control it yeah. yeah that's the one bit but there's a good fight scene then between the two of them and you see like wolverine should be able to destroyer because you know he's one ex-military and two all he's done for the last couple of years is fight people yeah. all day but you see just how strong mystique is it's not just her ability to um to transform and look like somebody else she has a sort of martial arts background and a gymnast background where she's very flexible and can move around quite quickly and that allows her to gain advantages on opponents which i think is important because that is part of who she is like she is a good fighter yeah, she's very agile and it counteracted how Wolverine is a very straightforward, you know, um, 
head-on fighter where she's agile she'll come in with these uh counters and these dodges and it really wasn't it's important to her character in the comics and i like how they brought it in and it made the fight seem believable yeah because she's outsmarting him he's just punch kick put them down and she's like i'll move here and that'll throw him off and that will allow me the opportunity to get something in on him so i do i think they did very well with mystique here um both in her power of being able to transform into people at will and then two in like giving her an actual ability to fight and not just be like oh she can transform that's it yeah she's basically ditto from pokemon and let's move on yeah but i'm glad they didn't do that to her because it does lend itself to making her a much stronger character and then we see toad Toad has a really good fight scene here where he manages to get the best of all, like the other three X-Men, yeah. um, Storm, uh, Jean, and Cyclops. He gets the best of all of them uh, somehow. Yeah. Because he's, he's not that powerful, but he does manage to, but obviously only for a very, very short time. Uh, we have, we're coming up to probably the, the best and worst line I've ever heard a superhero say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, 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 Do you know it, what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. You know, yeah. That's it, why did you bother putting that in? If yeah. it's not something different, why say it? At least like make something different. Like it's just it was so it goes with the movie, especially for the era it was released in. It was just so campy and cringy. Yeah. For some reason, it fit. <laughs> it it, do, it does fit, but it's kind of like, why did you say that? Yeah, it was just why waste time? Why did yeah? Just... Why like the same thing? There, was, there wasn't even a joke there. Like it was, <laughs> you, <laughs> there was nothing there. You could have just not said that and just hit him with the lightning, and everyone would have gone. Yeah, the same thing happened to him. That happens to everyone that gets hit with lightning. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed like they tried to add a little bit of humor, and it did not work. I suppose possibly this is just because they've obviously got Halle Berry in. Mm. She hasn't really been a prominent figure. This was just to try and give her something i suppose yeah um but it's not something that she should have wanted like she probably should have pushed back and said no I, i'd rather just hit him with the lightning to be honest yeah, let's just just zap him and move on yeah but obviously that's then the end of him and uh mystique we finally see her fight with um wolverine end when she comes in as storm behind them mm. and she's like come on we got to join the rest of the team and uh, at this point, you don't know, like you know, something's up because then you know that Storm's not there and that he's not there. So you're like, one of these isn't. Yeah, Storm's off zapping toads somewhere. Yeah, we so you're like, some, something's up here, but is he gonna know? And they give him the nod of, see, he does know her scent now. So yeah. he's like, yeah, some, you, you're right. We should go join the team. There's just one problem. You're not part of the team, and then straight through with the claws, and that fits Wolverine, and that line hits. Yeah. like unlike the toad line that one actually hits because you're like that fits his character and it makes sense yeah he stalls long enough to get ready to turn and as he delivers the line he delivers the claws yeah and it shows him finally thinking yeah it's not just just rush at her because previous he's he's learned from his last encounter with her that she's smart yeah he's like i can't just rush her i yeah. need to i need to lure her in yeah, he uses his instincts and, like you said, he knows her scent now and he just had a moment of, if I just think and if I just pause for a minute here, this will be so much easier for me. 
Yeah, and that that puts Wolverine that like that helps his character take that next step along, sort of. Um, so he obviously goes up and they confront Magneto and Sabretooth. Yeah. Um, Magneto just takes control of everyone. Yeah. Basically, Wolverine up against the wall. Give me some of those metal bits of metal. <laughs> pin you all against the wall. Nothing you can do. Um, and you can see how smart he is because he knows about Cyclops. And I can see that one I can buy into because he's known Xavier for years and Cyclops has been there for years. So you understand like, oh, he understands that Cyclops can't turn it off. Yeah. So without this visor, that beam's coming out. Yeah. So, keep so it closed. Yeah, it makes it makes sense where he's like, close that because he doesn't actually want to hurt mutants. No. Which is which is in line with Magneto, even though he's a bad guy and he's willing to you know, hurt them to the extent of like they're in his way. He doesn't want to actually get rid of any hum- uh, any mutants. No, he wants, wants them all there. Yeah, he wants them to come around to his thinking rather than to be completely wiped out. What yeah, he wants, is he wants his army to get bigger. He wants them to see the humans have been treating us like shit. Why aren't we fighting back? We could take every single one of them out. Yeah, and so he he has everyone tied up. And he moves Wolverine's claws so that they're directly over his um his own chest, mm. so that when he does leave, because he see, and that's that's where you see how smart Magneto is, because he's like, if I just leave, I won't have control of his mm. thing, and I'm going to lose control because I'm giving my powers to Rogue here. So yeah. he's like, I need to make sure that this guy can't just the second I walk out, he can't just go right. I'm free, free the rest, off we go. So he's like, I'll I'll point his own claws into his chest yeah. and strap them there. Um, but then obviously he does leave and Wolverine, you know, the guy can heal. So he's just like, oh, I suppose I'll have to take the hit for the team here and just stabs himself. <laughs> See, that's where, you know, again, I get confused about knowing about Rogue's powers because it was great because he didn't know about Wolverine's healing powers. Obviously, yeah. they strapped him in. But yeah, somehow he knows about Rogue's powers without ever having met her before. It's- exactly, yeah. that That's where the big issue is that he he doesn't know things that would probably make sense for him to know because you know he could understand if he did understand about uh Wolverine's healing powers because Sabretooth would be like yeah I fucked that guy up like yeah. he flew out of a car like broke his neck and just clicked it back into place like there's something about this guy yeah. but he doesn't know that but he does know about Rogue it's uh, it's a it's a little bit he probably yeah. should have thought about who who knows what here yeah but um, we get the fight scene between Wolverine and um, Sabretooth here. And Wolverine finally gets the better of Sabretooth. Yeah, I love any fight scene between Wolverine and Sabretooth from comic books to animated to movies. I just think the two of them just complement each other really well. Yeah, because they're both, they are both the exact same thing. They're both just animals. And they, like, I know in the, this they don't show their past, but even that, in their past, they're just they hate each other. Like these two guys despise each other. So whenever they see each other, it's just let's fight. Yeah. It's basically, they get the ruler though. Yeah. But they, they have the fight scene and they're out on top of the, the Statue of Liberty. And eventually Wolverine gets the better to an extent and gets the, the visor back from Sabretooth and brings himself back into, uh, inside to, to Gene and to um, Cyclops and basically gets them all free. Yeah. So Cyclops uses his um, Wolverine gives back the the visor 
uh, Jean Grey uses it to redirect Cyclops's blast, and out goes Sabretooth into the to crash land on some some poor guy's boat. Yeah, <laughs> some big animal looking dude crashing on my boat. I was just out for for a nice little ride yeah. along the river. But um, obviously they that's the end of him. So then they go up, and Magneto Magneto's powers are weakened here because he's obviously given the power to Rogue, and we can see this is already starting. There's some sort of they obviously have to show something, so they show this big kind of silvery substance spreading out. Yeah. Um, I know they have to show something here, but it just looks so bad. It's like, it should even just uh, like a wave, like a, uh, I'm trying to think like when, if you think about it, they think that future movies learned from this because when you think of the Thanos snap, yeah. they didn't show anything coming out of it. They just kind of showed a vibration. and Yeah. I think they did learn from that because this it looks bad. Yeah. And I understand what they were trying like they were like, we need to show it so that it's moving slowly. So it can't just be a a wave that goes out. So it needs to move slowly. But how do we do it? And you're kind of like, yeah, but maybe a kind of clearer substance, like this really like metallic sort of and I suppose it does make sense because it is being done by magnetism, maybe. I don't know, but it's just it looks weird. Yeah, it looks really out of place. It looks a lot lower budget than the rest of the movie. Yeah, it does. And it looks like they spend all the money elsewhere and then we're like, oh, crap, we forgot to put... Oh, we need to put something in there. Just That'll do. Just fire that in. That's fine. Someone get some silver paint and a speaker and we'll just make it kind of bob. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Just silver paint bobbling along. But um, obviously we see that starting to ripple out and get closer and closer to the shore. Um, and it's rogue in the machine, obviously. She hasn't, and she has no control of it. And see, like, she has no control of the powers Magneto's given her. He's essentially strapped her hands into this machine, and she can't stop it. Yeah. I suppose it makes sense because she's taken a power that she doesn't know how it works. So it's just, it works. And yeah. she doesn't know how to stop it or how to, I mean, because if she knew how to stop it, she'd obviously just, well, I'll just take my hands up here and I'll just stop doing yeah. that. Um, so she she has the power and that does tie in because a lot of the time she gets like memories and stuff as we said and she doesn't have a choice in what she gets yeah. it's just there it is and it's all thrown at her and it's just like oh, I have to deal with this now um, but obviously Wolverine goes up to try and break the machine because he's got the healing abilities so he's the only one that can go up um, but Magneto gains enough power back to, to stop Wolverine just snapping his machine to bits and we sit there and we watch uh cyclops say like i'll i'll just blast it now um knowing that this could kill rogue could wouldn't kill wolverine but would kill rogue and could kill magneto with the explosion of it and gene is like no 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 just you have to hold on and this is where you can see scott's kind of leadership coming in because he's like we do have to make a sacrifice here that's where now that's this is the confusing one for me when it comes to the comics and stuff because I know everyone remembers like a famous line Cap said in the MCU where he's like we don't trade lives yeah and it's that I think because of the MCU that's become the the bar for leadership or Cap's like it's I'm not of the mindset of the needs of the many away the needs of the few I'm not of that we don't trade lives if we can save a life we will save the life yeah and I think when I went back and watched it that's what kind of and knocked me a bit about Scott. I was like, okay, that's I'm used to having Captain America as the leader, where he will not, he doesn't want one soldier to die. Yeah, I have uh, Scott Summers basically saying, "I'll just blast it." 
yeah but i, I think that works because yeah. he's realized that like if i don't some like mutants won't be affected that'll be fine but all those people are going to die mm. and if i don't blast them now rogue's going to die anyway yeah like she's dead we know she's dead if we don't stop this so i can kind of see where he's coming from like she's dead either way so i can either let her die or i can either be the one that you know forces it to be early and stop all these other people dying or i can let her die and let all those people die yeah. and in that situation you do need a leader and someone needs to step up and go no i i need to do it and yeah. even jeans with them like don't don't like give him time give him time and had he listened to gene it it wouldn't have been stopped because wolverine didn't have the ability to to get free from magneto no so he just says i have the shot and i'm taking it and that's that's probably the best thing for scott because it it does show a leadership like i still don't like cyclops as a character but i think they did a good job there with him where he's like he's made the decision he knows what he needs to do and he's taking the responsibility here no, it does. It fits with his character in the comics as well. His character in the comics is not an emotional character. He doesn't feed off emotions a lot other than when it comes to Jean Grey. That's the only place he shows very yeah. strong emotions. In the field, he's very... He's Charles's good little soldier. He follows his orders yeah. to the letter. See, he's very militant in yeah. a way. Like, Wolverine is very militant as well. Like, obviously, because he has the military background. But Wolverine is, I'll go in and do it. I'll make the sacrifice because I can heal. Where Scott's like, sometimes we need to, like, we're going to have to lose, like, we're in a war here. We're going to lose somebody. Yeah. And as long as it's not Gene, he's kind of okay with that. Yeah, exactly. It says once it's not Gene, he, he I'm sorry, Cyclops would run over his own mask to get Gene Gray to the hospital. Yeah, and I think I think that's probably another reason why people aren't like he's too invested in one person and not invested at all in anybody else around him. Like I'm not sure if anyone from the comics, from Red Comics, knows this. Um, spoiler alert: If you haven't, like after the whole Phoenix saga, Jean Grey had passed, and he literally married a clone of Jean Grey yeah. called Madeline Pryor, had a kid with her. Then Jean Grey came back, and he just straight up and left this woman and his child. Yeah, go back to Jean. The only it's the only thing he ever seems to care about is is Jean Grey. That's all. Like he doesn't care about any like Jean Grey. If Jean Grey told him to kill a thousand people, he'd do it. Like just yeah. just blast all them. Yeah, okay, bam, done. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, they they don't mind. I don't care about anybody. I just care about you. So I suppose like it does play into like there's kind of like not a hero worship, but like That's an unhealthy funny. obsession. Yeah, with Jean Grey from him. Um. So, yeah, I can see why people dislike him. But in this, he takes the shot, but you think he's aiming for the the device. But he's smart as well because he's realized that he has a shot on Magneto, so he doesn't need to go for the kill. If I hit Magneto, that frees up Wolverine and he can do his job. Yeah. So as much as he's willing to take that risk, because if he does miss, he's going to hit that. So he's like, I'll take the risk that if I miss, you know, well, bye-bye to everyone up there. Yeah. But if I hit then the plan goes the way we wanted it anyway. So he hits he hits Magneto with this blast, a cybernetic blast, and then Wolverine destroys the machine. And again, Rogue is kind of... She's on death's door here again. Yeah. And Wolverine gives her his powers here. Yeah, this he, time, it, she's not taking them. He's giving them so that she can survive. Yeah, it's kind of arc development there because we see an earlier where she took his powers so he knows now her powers and how they work. So. Yeah, he understands this is how this will work. Give her the powers, she'll heal up. 
Yeah. But at the start, she doesn't seem to be. It seems that she's too far gone. Because we don't know if Wolverine can recover from death. Yeah. We know that he can recover from any injury. But if he was to actually die, would his abilities then kick in and bring him back to life? See, these, in the movies, like in the comics, it's it's uh, very depends on continuity. There's been different yeah. things and things have been retconned and brought back and things are canon and aren't. Um, so honestly, with that question, I, all I can say is at this moment in time, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we, we don't know that he can, but we see that he's trying to give the powers to her and seeing that it's starting to look like it might fail. Yeah. Like she might be too far gone, but obviously she isn't. She she gains a recovery and Magneto gets captured and put into a I'd forgotten completely about this. The plastic um, the, plastic, the plastic prison where he's just in this it's suspended in the middle of nowhere. Mm. What's it suspended by? Because it can't be suspended by anything metallic. No. So, so I don't know, but he's just in this room that's just made of plastic that he just lives in now. He lives in a Fanta bottle. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. And he just plays chess with Xavier. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's all he does nowadays. They bring him some food on plastic stuff. Yeah. He eats it, and then... It's the coolest retirement home ever. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's, you know, it is the one way to to eliminate his mutant power because as powerful as his mutation is that, you know, control of metal and he can do so much. They have done something here where they're like, they've thought about it. This is how we neutralize that power. So now he is just a man. Yeah. Essentially. Um, so they have him captured in there and I'd completely forgotten about that. And once I seen it, I was like, Oh, this is a really important part of this film. When you go into the next films, yeah, because the fact that he's in that cage is really important uh, in the next film. But I completely forgot. I was just like, yeah. They, then they just go to the next film, like, and he's just he's just around. And I'm like, no, that's no, he wasn't. He was captured. It is. It's it is one of them strange parts of the movie. Like you say, it's so important, but it's one part that gets forgotten so yeah. easily. But um, then Wolverine obviously gets told to go back up to Canada by Xavier, and there's something up there for him to to look into. Yeah. So they do leave themselves open to that. So you've now got Magneto locked away and you're like, oh, are they going to bring in a, a different different bad guy then for the second film? Um, obviously Wolverine's gone back up to Canada. So you're like, oh, well, they could bring in someone from there in yeah. his past or are they just going to stick with Magneto and we're going to have to figure out how he gets out. Um, I, I don't know. Overall, like, I really, I really enjoyed this cage. Like, um, it was it's it's fun for for the time for what it was i enjoyed it for, um yeah that's the it, thing i look back and i'm like it doesn't it doesn't particularly hold up to compare to the mcu films now but i think if you went back and watched like the first iron man it doesn't hold up to later mcu films either yeah it's um it's one of them that, that until you go back and watch it it's a lot of nostalgia is involved Mm. And when I looked, like I watched this and then I watched the trailers for the second and third movie. Um, and all I have to say on that is, in my opinion, if this had been made as just a standalone X-Men movie, just one X-Men movie, because while they left it open, they also tied it up in a nice little bow at the end. Yeah. Well. And I think it would have been a, remembered a lot fonder and would have been a lot higher up on the um, top comic movies if it had been left as a standalone. I think sequel yeah. 
I think the second sequel does okay. It's the third one where I think they they had the big issue, yeah. and it's the same issue they have all the time. Um, it's it's the Phoenix is the problem. They just... they can't do it correctly. They just it's not something you can do in a one part film. No, it's the Phoenix is for me is if you want to do it right, you need to do it the way the MCU done Thanos. It needs to be built up over years. Thanos was built up for what. 10 years before they finally had yeah. him as a villain. I think even if you want to do a film like the way they did, so like the, the recent Marvel or the recent X-Men films where, you know, they're younger. Yeah. Um, I thought they were doing really well with them. And then they were like, we're going to go with the Phoenix storyline. And I was like, okay, like this is a tough one. And they were like, we're going to do it in one film. I was like, okay, I already know you're going to mess this up yeah. because there's too much for one. Um, Like it'd be as if Avengers, so Avengers Endgame and the other way, like that's split into two. Yeah. So they have it. Here's the first part of the story, and here's the second part. Imagine they just tried to make that one film. Oh, one. Not not one six-hour film. One like three-hour film. You have to leave out all this other stuff. That's essentially what keeps happening with the Phoenix. They take it. They take it, and they go. We need to rush through this, this, and this to get you to here. And you're like, just make two films. Not if if they turned around and said we're gonna have um. X-Men, whatever the newest ones were called, and called it like Phoenix Rising and then Phoenix Rising Part 2. Yeah. No one would have said, oh, why don't they just do it in one film? Everyone would have been happy. Yeah. So at, It's the amount of movies. Harry Potter done it with their last, with that last yeah. movie. It split into two parts because they knew it was too much of a story to tell in one movie. Yeah. And I think that's where X-Men falls too much, mm-hmm. is that the Phoenix story is huge. It's very important. Mm-hmm. So it does need to be told but you can't tell it in one film. I think as well, and I hope when they do come into the MCU, they push that off for a while. While it is their most popular storyline, their most famous storyline, and it needs to be told, I don't see the need to rush into it. There's plenty of other storylines. Loads of them. Marvel does well with lesser-known storylines. Look, Guardians of the Galaxy were D-list at best before the movie came out. Yeah, one of the biggest, and like that's one of the better films they've ever done as well. Yeah. And Iron Man was a, was a C-list character. Iron, Iron Man wasn't that popular in comics at the time. And then the movie came out and just, like, exploded. Exploded, yeah. And they, they do well. Like, Mar- that's the one thing Marvel do very well, or the MCU do very well in their casting, because Robert Downey Jr. is a brilliant oh. Iron Man. Like, And you wouldn't have thought it. Like, yeah. if someone had said to you, who do you think should play that, you wouldn't have thought of him. So I do look forward to who they get to bring into these roles. But Wolverine is the one that I worry for. Because... Yeah. It's, see, you're they, taking something that was so iconic and so well done except for one film um, where it was shit but the film was shit not Wolverine yeah. um, that it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard one to fill and to an extent I think Xavier's a hard one to fill as well but I think they did a good job with the newer set of X-Men with that Xavier so James McAvoy done a great James job McAvoy, I think he did very well for that so Maybe they're just going to use him, and I'd have no problem with that because he did do it well. Yeah, it's one of them like um like you're saying with Marvel, they're, they're casting is usually spot on. My only show with Marvel's casting, I mentioned it on recently. I was talking to on my show um, with Robert Downey Jr. He's so perfect as Iron Man, but my only problem with him as Iron Man is he's how likable he is. Whereas in the comics, Iron Man yeah. is a dick. Yeah, Iron Man is more of a dick, and I think they tried to get that across in later MCU yeah. films because they needed the split of Captain and Iron Man. Yeah. But I think they'd made Iron Man too likable in the beginning where people were like, oh, no, I'm 
Team Iron, Iron Man. Man. And you're meant to be like, no, nobody is Team Iron Man. Yeah. Nobody. Everyone agreed with Cap here. Yeah. But, and that's a testament to Downey Jr. acting as well, though. That it is, yeah. He did. So likable. Yeah, and I think, like, it's they wanted to go with the, like, the Playboy billionaire, yeah. but they wanted to make him likable as well. Yeah. Because they wanted to be able to make money from the character which is essentially what happened with Wolverine as well. You have to make the character likable. Yeah. Otherwise you can't make films off the back of them. Like you can't have standalone films. I know Iron Man was his own standalone film, but if Iron Man hadn't done well, yeah. would the rest of them have got a shot? Yeah. See, the funny thing is with Iron Man as well is, um, sorry, I know I'm going off topic here on your show. Sorry. No, it's fine. No. Um, Iron Man was made basically because of a focus group with kids. Yeah. Um, it was made to sell toys. Kids, they handed yeah. kids action figures and said, "Which one would you watch in a movie, and would you want more?" And they picked the guy in the big metal suit, so they made Iron Man. Yeah, and it makes sense because the other ones, like like uh, Captain America, is a little outdated. Like I think they did very well in the films, but the idea of Captain America is a little outdated. Yeah. The first movie is basically a load of propaganda. Yeah, and like that's what he was like when yeah. he was created. That's what it was, and that's what it was for, and it worked very well. Um. It's a little outdated now. At the time when the first one came out, I think if you decided to go, we'll go Black Widow, mm. you wouldn't have got anywhere. Mm. You'd have got people like me and you who are into comic yeah. books going to watch it, but you wouldn't have had the block blockbuster no. that led to be the MCU. Um, I don't. I think that Robert Downey Jr. was the only one, or that Iron Man was the one that most people could relate to because it's a guy in a big metal suit. Who goes around fighting people? Yeah. It's believable. It works. Yeah, I was about to say it's the most believable out of them. It's more believable than Super, Super Soldier Serum. It's more believable than a Norse god. Yeah, who is just rich enough to build himself this big suit. Yeah, so I think I think that was the, they made the right decision in going with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they made him too likable. But yeah. um, that will keep those for another full show. But uh, overall, like I I went back, I watched this, and I I was happily surprised. Like I did enjoy it. Um. Obviously, there's a bit of nostalgia there. So I'd say if somebody who had never seen it before and is younger watched it, would be like, oh, it, it's not that good. But like, I still have that. I still remember it being what it was when I went to see it in the yeah. cinema. So I do still have that bit of nostalgia for it. But like, I enjoyed it. And having watched it back, I'm like, as its own film, it still, hold, it still holds that test of time to me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, looking back, I enjoyed watching it. It's a movie brought out in the year 2000 and it looks yep. like a movie brought out in the year 2000. It's exactly yes. what it says on the tin. And yep. it, has, it has its issues. Um, but again, if you're go, going in with a blank mind, it's a fun movie. It's an introduction to superheroes. There's some cool powers. There's some cool visuals. And yeah, on its own, like it wouldn't break my top comic book movies of all time, but it wouldn't be at the bottom of my like most hated comic book movies. Yeah, see, if I was to do like a list where I was like the top comic films of all time, this probably wouldn't break it if I was going just based on the film itself. But if I was to go, if I was to start taking into account like the impact of this film and what it meant for comic book films, this probably would break my top five because I think without this film, I don't think comic books gain that extra audience that helps the MCU like this film itself would have gained quite a lot of extra people into comics and yeah. into superheroes. And then they've, they've fallen in love with it because of this film. Then obviously Hugh Jackman storms across the board as Wolverine with 
countless films that all do really, really well. And off the back of them doing well, we start getting more, some good, some bad, but we start getting more comic books. Like, um, I know you're not a big fan of it, but like the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire comes out, which did very well for its time as well. Then Fantastic Four, which was a flop um, and is remembered as a flop and sh- rightly should be. But as I said, like I, I can go back and watch it and I enjoy it for what it is because I go into it knowing I'm uh, yeah. like, uh, just, just accept that it's going to be like this. Um, but you get those films and it starts to build up people to be into comic books. They might not read comic books. They might not watch shows or know stuff, but they've gained an enjoyment of superhero films and having that base audience increased from the start helps the MCU because the MCU starts at a bigger platform than yeah. X-Men did. So for that, I probably would have it up there I would in that top no. five. But I, as an actual film, yeah, compared to what's come out recently, yeah, no, it's not going to break. Yeah, I agree. Like um, if you're looking at um, ranking them in terms of the impact they had in the comic book movie industry, you would. You'd have X-Men, you'd have Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, you'd have Blade... The Incredible Hulk and then Iron Man One, I think would be the five. I don't know. I don't think Blade would make it because I don't think like Blade is a good film, but I don't think it drew. I don't think it drew that many people into the superhero style film. No, I think it mostly come kind of fans who knew who Blade yeah. was. It was a big deal for them. Yeah, I think it was a big deal for them. I would say that maybe. So obviously, Captain America, or sorry. Uh, Iron Man would be in there. I think Captain America, the first one of them, I think that actually did a quite a good job of drawing some people in as well. It didn't, you know, be, it would be um, awful not to mention Captain America, especially considered, and this, I'm just going to throw this out there, that the second Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is... It's one of the best. It's in my top five comic book movies of all time. Until, no, it's one, it's one of the best, definitely. Until Endgame, it was, I think it was pretty much my top, my favourite movie. Yeah, I, th- I think Endgame is probably everyone's. I, I wouldn't say there's many people that don't have Endgame as their top one, and the people that don't, it's it's normally like they argue that Endgame, if Endgame's a standalone film, you don't get the first part, so you need the the first part to get to the second part. But to me, that's one film. I know it is two films, but to me, it's as you said, like with Harry Potter, there's two Deathly yeah. Hollows, but there's just one Deathly Hollows. Like, yeah, like Deathly Hollows part one and part two, but that's Deathly Hollows. That one, that two feature films is one film to me. Yeah, whereas with Infinity War, I see them as two films because Infinity War ended with, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, everyone being dusted and Endgame starts with them all, they've moved on. So that's, in my in my eyes, that's two separate films. Yeah, true. And like you could end with one and then just never have had the other one, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like I would still look at them as, like for people who do say, oh, well, Endgame, doesn't work if you haven't got the other ones yeah it doesn't but in that sense then i would be like but you wouldn't get to end game without infinity war so in that sense they're both kind of like that's one film yeah. one big six hour film or seven hour possibly because i think they're like three and a half each I um so. no, i don't really notice the time go by when i do watch them so that's um I, yeah oh definitely like yeah I, I sit down and watch them no problem yeah. but yeah i i don't know like this film stood up for me um, some other people might think like if it, if they've never seen it before, it'd be like doesn't stand up. And especially if you're looking at it and you're a younger person mm. who grew up with the MCU, um, like if the first comic book film you ever saw, uh, was 
uh, Iron Man. You'll go back and look at this and be like, the state of this. Yeah. But you're like, yeah, but this is what it was like in the 2000s. Like, this is what this is what we had to deal with. Like, this was the this was cutting edge. Yeah, it'd be like me going back and looking at Lou Ferrigno's Hulk and being like, yeah. that's awful. But back in back then, that was yeah, huge. Yeah. You have to like when you go back and watch something from the past and like, you know, it's 20 years ago. Yeah. Like techn- and technology moves like technology's movement from five like when you look at Iron Man one to Endgame even the techno technology difference from there to there is yeah. huge so the like you have to when you go back and watch these old films like even like we've done films like older films as well hmm. like from the early nineties and from the eighties and stuff like Jaws we did yeah um and you're kind of like that it, it doesn't look great but you're like but it was made, you know, in the eighties. So yeah. I think um, back then they didn't have the technology. Um, with likes of Jaws and even Jurassic Park. What I think was exactly. amazing that they'd done was the main antagonist. You don't actually see them that often. Like Jaws was a lot of just suspense and a few minutes of shark. Yeah, which is that's why it's like I said, as I say in that episode with that I do with uh, Ian, that he's like that's probably one of my favorite horror films, even if it's not technically horror. And he, like it probably wouldn't be classified as horror now. But that was one of thriller, like that, yeah, it's more of a thriller now, um, or like um, I don't know, like a hunter film, mm. maybe I don't know, but like that's one of my favorites. I um, love, love jobs. Yeah, so do I. But um, yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Um, I'll just give you a chance if you want to plug anything yourself there. Yeah, no. Um, I'll just say first, I agree with what you said. But uh, looking back at it, it does hold up when you put yourself in the mindset of the year two thousand and. I'd still give it a seven out of ten because it was it's X Men, it's a comic book, it was one mm. of the first and I didn't and there was no Toby Maguire. Um but yeah um, real hatred for him. <laughs> severe dislike. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, um for anyone who doesn't know I run the Superior Comic Show. We're a pop culture show and we've had some great interviews recently, the likes of uh Guy Panda Red from TikTok, we've had Kim Rhodes from Supernatural and Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, and we've had writers and artists like Al Ewing and ron mars so if anyone wants to come over and check us out anyone interested in comics and the lore behind these movies yeah pop on over yeah so that's uh that's at superior comic on yeah. twitter isn't it yeah it's uh, on twitter it's superior comic 16 and um, same on instagram and you'll find us on youtube on the dynamo podcast network in the playlists there's the superior comic show playlist yeah and speak there's the same here retrotainment you'll find us on twitter at retrotainment one um, and you'll find us on YouTube on the Dynamo Podcast Network. We're both on Facebook as well in the Dynamo Podcast Network where everything gets posted. So obviously just jump in there, like the page for notifications. Same on YouTube, like the page, subscribe to it, click the bell and stuff to get your notifications. Um, there's loads of other great shows on that as well. You've obviously got King Woe's Court, which discusses uh, music. So Irish metal is mainly what he looks at but he does discuss other things like iron maiden and things like that you've got uh the upper tier which obviously discusses football um which is niall hogan's the four pod men which is looks back at classic wrestling um you've got uh the under center which looks at nfl so they, they have a huge show coming up yeah with the nfl super bowl being on today um so yeah loads of great shows so if, if you're not into comics or if you're not into retro and things like that which i suppose you, you wouldn't be watching the show if you weren't so uh 
if you've sat through all this and not been into retro and still got to hear fair fucks to you but if you are into other things like sports music um you've got the the main show that started it all the dynamos dozen where uh, ian sits down and interviews people from different ilks like wrestling uh music um he's had some uh, he's had a litany of different guests on yeah. like he's had guys who talk about um conspiracy theories he's had a guy on that talked about ufos and stuff there's just there's so much there um but like check out all those i'm if you if you like any of them they're all there as well and they're not difficult to find so thanks for watching and good luck well it's time for that part of the show that you all love the advertisements for our sponsors i know i know none of us really like listening to these but the truth is that we wouldn't be able to bring you this content without them so let's just get down to it first off wrestling mania the top floor of stevens green shopping center really good shop for all of your wrestling needs uh, whether that's dvds title belts pop figure figurines other collectibles t-shirts and if you like boxing and mma he has stuff there for you too if he doesn't have something that you want you can ask him he'll order it in no problems really nice guy the owner of this shop so get on down to wrestling mania on the top floor of stevens green shopping center oh what's that a pandemic well that doesn't mean he's closed catch him on facebook just send him a message he'll sort you out no problems asked and our other sponsor, Peter Hart Graphics. Now, this guy has done most of, if not all of the graphics for the Dynamos Podcast Network. Really good stuff, guys. Seriously, this is top, top quality stuff. And he doesn't charge a bomb for it, which is the greatest part. If you need any sort of graphic designed, it's peterhartgraphics at gmail.com. That's Peter, P-E-T-E-R, Hart, H-A-R-T-E, graphics g-r-a-p-h-i-c-s at gmail.com this guy is the easiest person i've ever worked with when it comes to making a graphic he'll you give him your ideas he'll come back with something similar to what you wanted and then if it might be exactly what you want and if it's not he is so open to criticism and tweaks and he'll be back to you as soon as you give him what you want updated on that this is easy, easy stuff to get done. But actually, if you tried to do it yourself, you'd realize just how difficult it is to make it look smooth and clean. Not a problem with Peter Hart Graphics. Check out his stuff on his Facebook page, Peter Hart Graphics. 